By the way, I will tell you this. What's really cool is when God finally orchestrated getting us to the right doctor, and he started telling us about his trips to Israel. Man, I won't tell you. That was just God just really, um, really did some wonderful things in, in making all that happen. And so that was such a cool thing to be able to talk to him about Christ and about Israel and what it means to go over there and how when you go over there and you are in the place where Jesus walked. I'm going to tell you, that is on my bucket list. That's on my bucket list is to go to Israel someday. Um, and so uh, let's get into the message. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. We're going to read uh, the scripture this morning, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to look uh, and expound uh, upon this text uh, verse by verse. All right. So Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 10, it says, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity uh, of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for being able to be in your presence today, for already having felt it. Uh, Lord, as we go in now into worship in the Word, Father, I pray that our hearts will be open and that our minds will be set on you. Uh, Lord, if there's anything, Lord, that is clouding any of our minds, Father, we just pray today that you help us to set that aside, uh, Lord, and truly concentrate on your Word so that we may, uh, Lord, that we may know you better. And that we may know you more deeply, Lord, each day. And Father, if there's any here, Lord, who are hurting today, in any way, Father, we pray for your comfort to be with them. Lord, we pray for those who are not among us and with us because, uh, Lord, of health, such as Sister Brenda and Sister Heather. And uh, Lord, we just think of others that we know who are unable to be with us. Uh, Lord, so... Uh, we, Lord, sometimes names escape us, but Lord, you know who they are. Father, we pray, Lord, that you have your hand upon them. And that, Lord, that you strengthen us today for your work. Uh, Lord, and that you help us to rise above, Lord, our, our flesh. Lord, and walk in you with your spirit as our guide. We pray this, Lord, today in the name of your beautiful Son, Jesus. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Now, I want you to keep your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10. As we walk down through each verse uh, and then break down uh, specifically verse 12, I may tell you some things that maybe, maybe you didn't think of it this way or maybe you've heard differently. If you were to type into Google the role of the church, you'd likely find some folks like Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Church, and some others. But we want to truly look at what is church in itself designed to do and how do we fit into this plan? What does it do? A lot of people think about becoming a Christian is now about coming to church. I get saved, so now I, I just go to church. And I think we'll find in the scriptures that that's really not the case. I put a quote, uh, I put a quote in your bulletin that I'll read in just a little bit to kind of uh, maybe prompt your thinking a little bit to kind of not think about what you think church is and how it's designed but to think about what God made the church to be. Not the American church. Not churches we've come to know it over the years with our traditions and conditions that we place on church. I've heard people dismiss wonderful, beautiful teaching and preaching because it wasn't delivered in a manner that they thought uh, it should be. 
I've grown up with people that also thought that because if, if preaching it has to be done a, a certain way or it's really not preaching, that person's just up there talking. When the simple fact is I've heard people do that and speak with a, a soft tone but delivered the gospel message so plainly and clearly that it just, it, it, it just uh, you know, it, it just engulfed, you know, my... Uh, my being and my attention. And so a lot of times when we think about church, we've placed on it the conditions and traditions that we have grown up in to think about what church is. And I want you to understand today, we're not trying to, to shuck off the church's responsibility, but instead understand the design of church as God has laid it out in this passage so that we understand our responsibility as saints within the church and what God has designed us to do and to be. So let's start at verse 10. I'm going to run through the first two verses very quickly. Verse 10, it says, He who descended is the one who also ascended. This is talking about Jesus. The one who descended down here to earth, clothed in flesh, fully God, fully man. He who had descended and came down on earth is now ascended far above the heavens. In other words, he sits high as high can be, over top all. When we think about our galaxy and the Milky Way and the other galaxies, listen, God sits above it all. That he might fill all things. And so when we look at this passage, we're saying, listen, he, he who came to earth, and now sits far above the heavens, He designed this. It says, and He gave. And that takes us to verse 11. Right? And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. What did this mean? It means that you and I don't choose to be these things, but God has called us to be these things. I've had people ask me, well, why, did, why didn't you ask me to be this? Or why didn't you ask me to be that? Listen, because I didn't design you. And I don't know what your purpose is, but God does, and God will draw your heart. Now, I found that there are some people who want things, and they want offices that they probably are not built for because they see the, uh, the, the ability, or not the ability, I'm sorry, they see the, the things that come along with it, the influence, if you will, of those offices. Like some people want to be president, but they ain't built for it. But they want the things that come along with it. They want the influence. They want to be able to guide people. They want to be able to, to maneuver things their way. It doesn't mean they're made for the office. They just desire it. There is a big difference. But when God calls you to something, He will put it on your heart in such a way that you can not deny who it is that is calling you because other things in your life will point toward that purpose. You see, when God called me to preach, it's not something I wanted. It's not something I wanted to do because I did understand the gravity of the office. I did understand that, listen, one of these days I will stand before God and give an account for everything that I have said and done, and specifically of the office He's called me to be, which first off, first off is a believer in Him, then as a husband, then as a father, and then as a pastor. One of these days I'll stand before him, and I'll tell you one thing, I do not want to see that replay. You know, you know what I mean? You ever seen those ESPN replays when that guy goes to catch the ball in the outfield and it hits him in the head instead? You ever seen them? And they keep showing it over and over, and you're like, oh man, you do not want to make the highlight reel for some things. I'm sure there are some things like the times that I've sang gloom, despair. He'll be like, why did you do that? Or the time, that I, hey, why don't you play another? I don't, I don't, that ain't going to be fun either. There'll be a lot of things I think that I've said and done probably from the pulpit that I'll be sitting there and be like, I do not want to make that highlight real. But one of these days, I will stand and give an account for everything that I've said. And so listen, when God calls you to do something, He will put a burning in your heart that you cannot deny. Jeremiah said it was like a fire shut up in my bones. But make sure. Make sure and pray through 
Because I typically find that most people that are called, we typically sometimes don't really want that office because we know, but at the same time, we cannot deny. And so the only way I was ever going to have peace in my life was to surrender to what God had made me to be. Not what you want me to be, not what somebody else thinks I ought to do, but what God had made me to be. And so when I look at this verse 11, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. But we'll see why he did that. You see, the assembly of leadership is incorporated into the purpose of the church. We come to church not just to hear a sermon, we come to church to hear the Word of God expounded on, maybe in a way that maybe you're not gifted to understand in yourself. I pray that you read the Bible, I pray that you understand as much as you can about the Bible, but God has called people to expound upon this that have a different way of viewing things in a different way of study that has caused them to be called by God because He made them that way so that the Word of God can be delivered and expounded upon in a way that you may not be able to understand on your own. So you know what this tells us? First off, it tells us this. Nobody can do church alone. God has called people to these offices. And you can't be everything in the church. Neither can I. But these people that say that I don't need church to be a Christian, sure you do. Because when you see the purpose of the church, you cannot fulfill the church in yourself. It is impossible Because God made it this way. When we see here in the scriptures that he's framed it this way, because he's God and he knows what is right, and he knows what works and what should be, and so he has designed the church. And he has designed the leadership offices of the church. Now I'm not talking about every denomination and everybody calls their offices a little different, what one may call a pastor, another one may call a bishop, and things like that. Some people will call the office of a deacon and they'll call it the office of an elder. I'm not talking about those. Those are semantics. Those are just little variances in in denominational type of things. But I'm talking about the true calling that God has placed on people's lives to fulfill these offices of church. You need church. I need church. We need each other. So God gave these offices to be filled. Each has a role and they're necessary. Some may hold more than one of those roles. Sometimes pastor and teacher kind of goes together. Sometimes it doesn't. I've seen preachers who are really good uh, evangelists and really good at kind of uh, the revivals, if you will. They, they have the gift of encouragement in their preaching, but they're not gifted in the way of teaching. Their sermons are geared toward encouragement and speaking in your heart and kind of help lifting you up maybe in a time of trouble, help revive within you that desire to, to truly just uh, to, to stay on fire for God, to, if you will, to, to fan the flames a little, to take those embers that may be burning in your heart and kind of fanning them into a flame again. Some people are really gifted with that. That's not one of my callings. But they not, may not be gifted at teaching at all. And so it doesn't mean every preacher is a teacher and vice versa. But God has called these roles for the purpose of the church. And as we look at verse 12, now we're going to to look at the real purpose of church. And again, you look at, if you type in role of the church, you're going to find evangelism, discipleship, all these different things. And I'm going to tell you, not all of them, I don't care how many books he sold, not all of them are correct according to this passage. Just because you sell books don't make you right. Amen? There are a lot of false teachers that are on the bestseller list. And their messages may sound churchy. But their intentions are still out of the pits of hell. Amen? Because a false teacher does not belong to the Lord. Typically, false teachers 
may be able to draw people and they may be able to use Jesus' language. But their intentions are far from leading you to your true purpose in life. They're about telling you what you want to hear to make you feel better about yourself. And listen, sometimes the worst thing we can do is make you feel better about yourself. Why? How will I ever ask for forgiveness if I don't feel guilty? Now, my job is not to make you feel guilty. My job is to preach the word. And if the word hits your heart and brings you back to an understanding of just how defiled we can be, then let it be. Amen? Let it be. John MacArthur said this, The age is hopelessly indulgent and dominated by self-fulfillment. We see that this has crept into the American church, where people go to church not for the reason we'll see in verse 12. People go to church uh, to feel like, A, like they've done something, they check a box, or they're looking for a church and they're, and, and they're looking for a place that will, will kind of meet what they want. In other words, we, we, it's been called the, the seeker-sensitive movement. People want to go to church and not feel like they've been to church. Why? What? Would that ever make sense? If I go somewhere and it doesn't feel like church, it's probably something else, and it's not church. If you've walked in a building and just has church on the, above the door, but you don't felt like you've been to church, and let me tell you something very clearly, you ain't been to church. If it didn't feel like you were in church, then you weren't in church, amen? I don't care what name is above the door. People are looking for programs. Everybody wants a program. We bring the families up and we split them up. That's why we do church this way. That's why your families are in here. Because I believe that it is according to the scriptures. Our children need to learn. Sal and I got to have lunch with Brother Kevin and Sister Renee this past week. Was this last week? Last week. My weeks go together. Yours? I don't know what week. What week are we in? Today's 1st of August, right? At least I got that right. My watch told me. <laughs> got the date right there. Plus, I got Mickey Mouse. Y'all see him? Pretty cool, ain't he? I'm the only one who buys an iWatch so I can have Mickey Mouse on. We see people want programs. We see people want things their way. They want to be able to, to go in and disconnect themselves from the children. I just need a break. Listen, God gave you children. He gave you a gift. And they are on loan from the Lord. And if they're ever going to reverence God, it's not going to be in the fun zone. And to want to disconnect, think about how selfish that can be. Well, I just need a break, and I just need to be able to sit and listen. You know, listen, God has given you children. As they age and get older, you will find that you're more and more able to pay attention. But listen, for the time being, they're yours. They're in your care. But let's go to verse 12. By the way, I'm thankful. That really isn't said for those of you who are here, because those of you who are here, I, I see how you love your children, you have them with you, and I want to applaud you today. For those of you who have young ones in this service, I applaud you for doing that. Where other families have chosen to go to places that disconnect them from their family, you have doubled down. And that's really what I wanted to say about lunch. Uh, Sal and I had lunch with Brother Kevin and Sister Renee, apparently last week, whatever week we're in, last week. And one of the things I said, listen, I've been looking through the scriptures and I've been praying, and here's where I'm at. I'm doubling down. On the scripture. Not how other people think church is to be done. Not how other churches are doing it. Not even in our denomination. I'm doubling down on the structure that God had set forth. And the view of the early church that was on fire for him. I'm doubling down on that. And I hope you will too. Verse 12 gives us this picture that we want to see this morning. Verse 12 Let's just look at the first part. It says, remember, he, Jesus, gave these offices to do what? Here's where it comes out. 
to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That is the role of church, to equip the saints. You, if you know Christ, are a saint. I know what you're thinking. I ain't never been called a saint before. Trust me, I haven't either. But the Scripture says you are. You're a saint. If you know Christ, if you're walking with Christ, if He is your Lord, then that makes you a saint. Listen, I just want you to say with me, I'm a saint. Some of y'all don't even believe it. Some of you are thinking, I'm a saint, but this person over here... I want you to sit on three. I want you to say, I'm a saint. One, two, I'm a saint. I did three like this. So we on three. Is it three and then say it? I did it wrong. Count to three and then we say it. All right, we're going to do this. Right? One, two, three. I'm a saint. Amen. Did anybody do this? Cross something. Uh, I'm a saint. Listen, so what is church designed to do? It is designed to equip the saints. That's what church is for. Listen, this word equip is katartizo. I know, oh gosh, here he goes again with the Greek. But it's a verb meaning to mend, to, to, to take what has been broken or rent and to repair it or to set it in order. Ethically, it means to make one who he ought to be. Now think about that for a minute. We are broken, amen? I come to Christ broken. Broken into pieces and shattered. And only he can mend. So listen, the church's role is to equip and help put back together, not through our power, not through, not through what I can do, but through the scriptures, through the preaching and the teaching of the scriptures as Jesus has called us. He's called apostles, teachers, and preachers. And our role is to bring you the word of God in such a way that the word of God will work on your life and put back together that which is broken. To equip you. To give you the tools that you need and the understanding of the Word of God in a way that will lead you into a deeper walk with God. Why? Not just for yourself, though. We'll get to that point. It's not just so that you are put back together. But that God may use you to equip this is what Dr. David Guzik says. He says, equipping also has the idea of to put right. The ancient Greek word was used to describe the setting of bones, of broken bones, or mending nets. These ministries work together to produce strong, mended, fit Christians. We saw Chris walk terribly for several years after his accident, right? Even had that dance thing, you know. But have you seen him walk lately? He got that new titanium, bling, hit. <laughs> he even got a picture of that thing. You can see where they sawed off the bone. They put the new titanium ball in there. It's amazing what they can do, but to set right. You see, a lot of we come to God and we're walking like this. But listen, the church has come to equip you with the Word of God. It's preaching and it's teaching of the full counsel of God that you may be put back together that which is broken and listen those who maybe walk like this may be able to be able to walk upright because of what Christ is doing in your life through his word and his teaching and preaching which is the role of the church later on your family asks you what did you learn at church today I learned about Chris's hip <laughs> not to walk like Chris used to walk but in Jesus, that you may walk as he does now with that portion that was broken. Listen, he doesn't, I believe in progressive sanctification, right? So we become more and more like him. There's a lot of brokenness in our life and not all of it is healed at one time. Now, when I'm speaking of brokenness, I'm talking about our sin. There are other types of brokenness and that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about being broken because of our sin in our life. We come to God broken and a mess. And as God works in our life through the preaching and teaching of his word and living out that word and growing deeper in Christ, I become more and more 
like him. To equip. How do we do that? By the teaching and preaching of God's word in its totality with the full counsel of God. Listen, I want to tell you that listen, we're, we're talking about we're talking about discipleship as a whole. A disciple is one who follows the teaching of one. We are God's disciples. But this is about discipleship. This is about those that God has called to lead and to teach, helping others to walk and learn the Word of God. And those people also taking what they've learned and being also able to help others as well. And so listen, it, it starts off here like a snowball, a little snowball, and you keep rolling it in the snow, and it keeps growing and growing. And we're going to see a picture of what the church should do, which is grow. By the way, this teaching and preaching the full counsel of God, this includes saying like restoration or even rebuke. You see, as we teach and preach and become the leaders God has called us to be in the church, then we have this role that not only do we teach and preach God's Word, but we help people when they are living in opposition to the Word. Listen, the church, God has designed the church so that we actually call that out. We're supposed to. Well, you're not my judge. I understand that. But if you're calling yourself a saint and you say that you're walking with God, this is His design, not mine. In 2 Timothy, we see Paul writing to a young pastor. Paul, with all of his wisdom and age and years, as he had went as a missionary to start churches all over, we see him write to a young pastor this last letter to Timothy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, you've heard this many times. I've preached on this passage. It says, all Scripture is breathed out by God. Breathed out is pneuma. It's where we get pneumatic for pneumatic tools, right? Air guns. Pneumatic. Pneuma. Air is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Can you see where the Word of God goes along with the purpose of the church? Because the purpose of the church is to preach the full counsel of God according to His Word. And in that also includes training, but also correction. Teaching, but also reproof. That we may be complete and equipped for every good work. This is what we're called to do. And the Word of God, the Word of God is able to do that in our lives. When we will take in the Word of God and we will live it, it is life-changing. But listen, it's important to understand that the church's role is to teach and preach the full counsel of God, not just the easy sections. You know, like Philippians was the fourth or thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? We like to use that verse. We use it out of context a lot of times, right? If God is for me, who could be against me? Those easy ones that sometimes aren't so easy when you look at it in its full context, by the way. There are churches out here that just take a portion of the Scripture and they want to use the passage of the Scripture to make it more like a self-help book so you can have your best life now. where the Bible teaches us something much different. That in this life down here, there will be woes and there will be times of difficulty. And there will be hurts that are beyond imagination at times. That's what the Word of God teaches. Not that God created us to be healthy and wealthy in Him. Matter of fact, in the early church, we see wealth used as a tool to grow the church, not to accumulate for self-pride. Because it says that, they, that those who own land would go and sell it and use it in the ministry of the Lord. I'm not against anybody that's wealthy. But if their sole purpose is to have that and they call out their blessing on God by, based on how much stuff they have, let me tell you something, there is something very suspect about that. 
There's something about that that's, that's, that's not correlating with the scriptures. I, I passed Brother Kevin um, an email the other day of a link. I wanted, it was a video I wanted to watch. I couldn't send it to everybody because, quite honest, the person who made the video used some language in there that you wouldn't appreciate me sending it to you uh, with some of those words in it. But it was about the teaching of someone who has the fifth largest church in America who said this, we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. Even went as far, now listen, you can go listen to the whole sermon series and to realize and he did a good job of making sure that you can understand that it wasn't taken out of context because the guy even had it right up on a screen that the Ten Commandments aren't for you and I. Thanks. Glad to help. Apparently my watch wants to preach too. I don't know what I did. But Siri says thanks. Okay. That's odd. I turn that off. I'm going to need somebody to tell me how to turn that off, by the way. But I, I watched this, and then I played it for Sal, and we're like, we're just sitting there just watching, like, how could this person build such a large church? You know how he builds such a large church? By telling people what they want to hear, which is what the scripture says, that people will have itching ears. And there's people out here that will scratch that itch and make you think that it's all about you. You see what happens in, in churches sometimes, it becomes a man-centered church instead of a Christ-centered. Instead of seeing you as I, as his creation to do his will, instead we want to look at our creation and what meets our will. Listen, me and Jesus can't both of us be Lord of my life. Amen? Can't both of us be Lord? Who am I going to let be Lord? Also, on down in that same letter, that was chapter 3, going down in chapter 4, and listen to what Paul charges this young pastor with. He says in verse 1 of chapter 4, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Are you with me? This is the role. He's writing to a young pastor saying, listen, preach the word. He's talking about in its totality. And along with that comes difficult things such as rebuke. But he says to do it with complete patience. Let's move on. I think you're getting the idea, right? To equip the saints. You are the saints. The church is not, by God's design, the mechanism for evangelism in itself. It is the mechanism which trains the saints for the ministry of evangelism. A lot of times when we think when you see the roles of the church and you go and just, again, I, I just encourage you to, to, to Google it. Google the role of the church. And you'll see the role of the church is evangelism. But we're seeing here that the role of the church is to equip you for evangelism. So the church is not the mechanism in itself. It's not the role where the church needs to evangelize. No, let me get this straight. You need to evangelize. I, the church, the pastors, the leaderships need to help you in the Word of God be able to get to the place where you can evangelize and reach people for Christ. You see, it's easy to come to church. Well, I come to church and I give my tithes, I give my offering so that the church may be able to minister to the community. No, listen to this. You come and you bring to the storehouse what God has told you to bring, amen, in His Word so that we may be able to have a place and may be able to do the work of the Lord, which primary role number one is to equip you. Now, do we use this for community stuff? Yeah, we just talked about that last week. We took up that offering to replenish uh, the David L. Bowers uh, Memorial Benevolence Fund. 
Why? Because we use that for outside. Listen, because you and I, I can't pay for a funeral by myself. You can't pay for a funeral by yourself. But collectively, we bring, when we bring the tithes to the storehouse together, we can do that. And we see the early church together send out missionaries such as Paul and Silas and send those. But listen, the church is not the mechanism of evangelism. You are. Inviting someone to church isn't the whole of evangelism. But inviting them to see Christ through our lives. Inviting them to join us as a follower of Christ. That is evangelism. That is what you and I as saints are called to do. I'm called to be a pastor, teacher, and leader. But I'm also called along with you to also evangelize. I don't get off the hook in this. I don't get to sit back and say, well, as long as I teach these people and preach and I'm doing my part, you go do your part. No. No, I just have a higher responsibility above that. I'm also to be someone who leads others to Christ just like you are. Dr. Guzik uh, quoted a guy by last name of Smith when he said this, the primary purpose of the church now listen, hold on, to your, hold on to yourself now. The primary purpose of the church isn't to convert sinners to Christianity. But to perfect, mean, meaning complete and mature, the saints for the ministry and the edification of the body. It's not the church's role to convert others. It's our job as saints to do that. The job of the church is to equip you for what God has called you to do. You see, we're all going to stand before God one day and we'll, we'll be asked the question, I, I fully believe this, we'll be, have to give an account, at least if you will. I don't know if this question is going to be asked in the way I say it, but I do believe we're going to stand before him and give an account of what we did of the message of the gospel. Did we share it or were we stingy? As long as I'm good. It's all good. That'd be like being in a burning building and seeing an escape route and not even being so much of a human being as to walk out the door and at least hit the fire alarm on your way out. When we don't share the gospel, it's like we walk out that exit door and we slam it shut behind us. And hey, well, listen, I found the exit. If I can find the exit, they can find it. If they don't find it, well... There was a map on the wall showing where you're at, where the exit's at. They didn't look at it. You couldn't imagine doing that, could you? I couldn't. But yet that's what we do when we don't share the gospel. Pastor Chuck Smith uh, wrote about his, you know, his early days preaching, and he would every Sunday, Sunday in and Sunday out, he would preach these evangelistic messages to the church, and he would just keep preaching these evangelistic messages. These, what they call, we would call it salvific message. What that means, we, the messages were just about salvation, 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 salvation. Listen, if, I, if you come in here every Sunday and I just tell you how to be saved and you're already saved, are you ever going to grow? No. You're not going to grow. The simple fact is, is you should be sharing the salvation message. You should be sharing how to come to Christ and then together. As we come to Christ, we come together as the church to be equipped so that we can grow in knowledge of him so that we can not only, not only share the salvific message or how to be saved, but we can also share all the other and the whole counsel of God because God speaks not just about how to come to Christ near. It's not just about the fact that Christ loves you, but listen, God has spoke wisdom into every aspect of our life. Want to know how to be a dad or a mom? It's here. Want to know how to be a good husband and wife? It's here. You want to know how to treat a specific situation when somebody's coming down upon you and, and somebody's treating you harshly? You want to know what a Christian's supposed to do about it? It's in here. Want to know how to pray? It's in here. Want to know how God feels about you? It's in here. You want to know how God feels about sin? It's in here. You want to know what God has in store for you when you get to heaven? It's in here. It's like... Prego, prego, or ragu, or it's in there. It's there. 
That's why we got to teach the whole counsel of God. But he said that Sunday after Sunday, he kept preaching these salvific messages. And he just, he said that he would preach them even harder and just something wasn't right. And then he finally realized and studied what the purpose of the church was. And he realized that God had called him to be a pastor, but he was preaching the evangelistic message of salvation Sunday after Sunday to the same people. And then when he come to realize what it meant to pastor and to equip the saints, this is what he said, I had a whole new philosophy for the purpose of the church. It isn't the evangelization evangelize of the world, but it is the building up of the body of Christ. And so I began to focus my ministry on building up the body of Christ, loving the body of Christ, ministering to the body of Christ, strengthening the body of Christ, teaching the body of Christ the word of God, feeding the body of Christ. As a result, as they began to mature and come into this maturity in Christ, their lives became a witness to the world around them and to others and came to know and came to find out what was going on. And evangelism was the byproduct of a healthy body. You see, if we're spiritually healthy, then we'll lead others to Christ. You see, right now, like in my body, I, I, with the way things are right now, I, I, there's a lot of things I can't do. I used to be able to pick up stuff, heavy stuff, and do all kinds of stuff. I, I got to a point where I can't even do that because my body's not healthy. Once my body's healthy, then I'll, I'm able to do more. And spiritually speaking, as we grow in Him, you see, to grow in Him is to understand that God has a purpose for everything, even if we don't understand it. It doesn't mean we have to like it. It doesn't even mean we have to think that it tastes good. It could taste awful. But we know that He's still God. Even through the troubles and trials of life, He's still God. Then when we hear questions like this, why, could, you know, why would God let this happen? Listen, I don't know why God would let things happen, but I know this. He's still God, and He's still beautiful. He's still wonderful, and He's still my Savior. Amen. Regardless of what comes along in this life, I know that my life is but a vapor here. This is what Jay Delaney, a teacher that was quoted by John MacArthur, says, The purpose of the church is summing together for regular worship service is not for evangelism. The church is a gathering or assembly of believers who do not need to be evangelized. The purpose of the church meeting together is to edify the saints, which means the building up, to equip them for service and bring them to maturity. The early church met together and continued steadfastly in apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They met together to worship God and to minister to one another, thus building up the body of Christ. When saints are taught and trained, then they will be brought to the fullness of Christ. purpose of the church is to equip the saints, right? Is to equip the saints, you and I, for the work of the ministry. That's the next part of that verse. Ministry of evangelism to the lost should be in the hearts of every saint. There are many ways to minister to the lost by showing love of Jesus widely and without reservation. You see, we can evangelize in a lot of ways. If God puts on your heart to feed someone, feed them. That is evangelism. That is sharing the love of Christ that is in you. Listen, when we love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, there will be an overflow of love. Because as you love Him, you see more about His love. And that just, you keep love upon love upon love upon love until you have to share it with somebody. If you don't love people around you enough to share who Jesus is, that maybe loving the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul is something you're struggling with. The role of the church is to equip you, the saints, for the ministry, things that are outside of here, and also those who are inside. You see, the ministry is not only about evangelizing the lost, it's also about caring for one another. The ministry is for us to love Lord God with our heart, mind, and soul and love our neighbor as ourself. It's for us to love those who don't know Jesus, but also for us to minister and also love those who do love Jesus. Peter said to love the brotherhood. You and I should care for one and each other deeply. And we should help meet each other's needs. Because if I can't help someone who also is a brother or sister in Christ, if I can't you help you meet your needs, then how am I ever going to help somebody outside of here? 
be theirs. I would challenge you today to be praying this week, God, what is my ministry? God, what, what is it? What talent have you given me? What desire have you given me that I could use as a vehicle to carry your name to those who don't know you? I challenge you to pray that this week every day. God, what is it that you have made me to be in you? What talent have you given me? What desire? Listen, we saw just a couple weeks ago. Does anybody know that Kevin likes to fish? Anybody ever heard of that? I don't know if you knew that Kevin likes to fish. I don't think that you probably knew that about him. But if you do know Kevin, you know he likes to fish. And he used, he used his love of fishing as a mechanism to deliver Jesus to several of the guys up there at the rescue mission a few weeks ago. Now listen, this doesn't mean that the church cannot be involved. I want you to understand, it doesn't mean that the church can't be involved in these events and have things like this that we can do that will help you reach others. But that's not the role. That comes as a subsequent part. As God puts a desire on your heart and then you start to share that with your brothers and sisters, next thing you know, we got a fishing tournament and we have an, a fishing event. That was an overflow of love of God, which also caused me to love my brother and sister as myself, which also caused me to share that with others. The desire in his heart to not only share Christ, but to use his love of fishing. I think God is, is really calling me to, to do this. Now we, as the church, should come along and help him with that. So what has God laid on your heart? Now listen, I don't mean when I come up, well, I think the church ought to do this. No, what, this is what it should sound like. I don't want you to say this. Pastor, the Lord has laid on my heart to do this. And I'm willing to go it alone. But if there are others who would like to join me and help, I will, this is what God has laid on my heart to do. That's what it should sound like, because that's exactly what Brother Kevin did to me. That's exactly as he came to me. He came to me. He was going to do it. He was going to do it regardless. But he was hoping that we as the church would support him as he lived out this desire God put in his heart. And listen to this. I, we're ready to come alongside you too. What has God laid on your heart? What is it that he's calling you to do? How is it that he's laid on your heart to be able to minister to someone else? Because I'm going to tell you, listen, if God has laid it on your heart, the church will come alongside you because that's what God is calling us to do. We as a church are not the primary mechanism. The role of the church is not the primary mechanism for evangelism, but it doesn't mean we don't participate in it. But know that our role is to equip you some churches never get past the salvation message and they never grow to where they're reaching other people because, listen, I, I've heard this. I, I've been sat together with boards and groups of preachers together talk about this very thing, about how we see in churches die because, listen, they, they never grow into maturity. And because they don't grow into maturity, they never reach outside of themselves. And everything that the church does is inward. Now, I will tell you in the future, you're going to see some things come along here that as we work to equip you, we want to equip you not as just saints sitting in the pews on Sundays, but we want to help equip you as mothers and fathers, as husbands and wives. And we want to get back to doing that ministry that we enjoyed so much like marriage matters and, and having men's meetings and women's meetings together. We're going to go back to that. This pandemic kind of put a halt and we stalled but it's time to pick it back up. We may have to, again, we may have to be fluid in how we deliver these things. We may be fluid in how we have to do it depending on, you know, health crisis and how that all works. I don't know how that's going to work. But I know that God has called us to equip the saints. That's discipleship. That's not just preaching on Sundays. It's not just Wednesday night Zoom. By the way, if you're missing out on Wednesday nights, you're missing out. I say that all the time, but I'm telling you, you are. There are some churches that, their message isn't salvific. Their, their message is, is just about making you feel good. Some churches spend their efforts in area of comfort and entertainment just so they can keep you coming back. 
to make you feel like you've at least checked off a box. That's not the role of the church. If learning to be more like Christ is boring to you, or if it's not fulfilling to you, then I just challenge you today to spend some time with him and find out why. A disciple is one who follows the teaching of another. Making a disciple is to convert one to the teaching and the precepts. Discipleship is the state of being a disciple, which includes walking in the precepts and growing in the teachings of the giver of the laws and precepts. So discipleship is an ongoing process, just as progressive sanctification, which is a part of that. And this is the purpose of the church, so that disciples will multiply disciples. That's our role. So I challenge you today with two questions. Are you making disciples? And how are you ministering to the lost? By the way, it says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body. Now, the building up of the body isn't me saying, Kevin, you're so good. Pastor, you're so good. No, Kevin, you're good. No, Pastor, you're good. No, Kevin, I tell you, I ain't heard nobody preach as good as you. No, Pastor, I ain't as good as you. That's, that's, that's not building up. By the way, the, the, the thing about building up, if you actually go look uh, in the original language, you will find that this building up literally means to assemble. But it's a compound word. It means not only to, to assemble, but to assemble with a roof. You see, the building up of the body kind of got two, two elements to it. Maturation, right? Which means maturing. Maturation is maturing. The building up of the body is to help mature the body, but it's about maturation and population. It also means to grow, not only in spiritual strength, but also in number. For the building up of the body. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 to 14, it says, About this we have much to say, and this is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you have all to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. How do I distinguish good from evil? I compare it to this. How do I know if someone is teaching solid teaching? I take their teachings and I compare it to this. So the other day when I saw Andy Stanley dismantling this book, it grieved me. It made me mad. And just, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Because he says that some people don't understand the Genesis account, and so they don't really believe it. He says, so, so don't worry about it. We need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. But when they asked Jesus about marriage, what did Jesus quote? Genesis. He said, for this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one. Jesus quoted Genesis 2 and 3. Jesus didn't unhitch from the Old Testament. Peter and Paul, in their writings, they didn't unhitch from the Old Testament. Matter of fact, they showed how the Old Testament has been fulfilled. Now, are there certain laws and things that, that have been fulfilled, like ceremonial laws? Like, we no longer, we don't have to slaughter animals and stuff anymore. Why? Because Jesus became the one sacrifice. But sometimes we don't understand really what that fully means, and so we ask questions that we need to go to the Scripture to answer. I heard R.C. Sproul get asked a question uh, the other day. Uh, sometimes at work when I've had enough. Anybody ever get at work just have enough? Luckily, I work from home. Uh, sometimes I'll just take that 15-minute break, and I will feed my mind with something that is good for it. And then I'll go back to dealing with all the stuff. 
And so I took a 15-minute break, and the, the video was almost two hours long. It was a question and answers with R.C. Sproul, his son, R.C. Sproul Jr., uh, Vadi Bokum, and uh, there was a couple others. And it was just question and answers. And one of the questions was this, how is it fair? Well, as soon as they said fair, R.C. was, he was alert. He wanted to answer this one. How is it fair that a man should have to pay eternally for his sin, but yet Jesus didn't have to receive the wrath of God eternally. Now think about it. I understand the question. Jesus was in the grave three days. Here's the answer, though. The answer is not, it's not easy to stomach. But the answer is this. Jesus has definitive value. In other words, the value of God is infinite. But our value is finite. God is infinite. You and I are finite. So if you and I do not accept Christ as our Savior, if you and I die in our sins, we will pay eternally. Why? Because even when I am tormented for eternity, it's still not enough to pay back for the sin that I've done. Because even if I suffer in hell forever, it's still not enough to cover my debt. But when Jesus, infinite God, come down robed in flesh and gave his life and he took the wrath. You see, Jesus is the only one that could take the wrath of God and pay for all mankind. My, the wrath of God on my back for, for eternity is still not enough to pay for my sin. Only Jesus could pay that debt so that you and I could live eternally with him. And that's a big, deep question I probably shouldn't even got into, but you kind of get, do you understand where we're going? You and I need to grow in Christ so that we could understand these things and mature in them. So that when we're evangelizing the lost and they come up with these questions, we need to be able to help point them to the Word of God. So how do I know if someone's a false teacher? I go to the Word of God and I compare what they're teaching with what the Bible says. You see, Jesus came to say, I didn't come to abolish the law, but it came to fulfill the law. But the only way I can truly understand what Jesus did for me on the cross is to go to the Old Testament. The only way that I could understand that Jesus was the true Messiah is to go to the Old Testament. So when someone says the Old Testament is not important, that ought to throw a red flag. So how do you know when to throw a red flag? When you compare it to the Word of God and it doesn't weigh out, how are you going to understand and know that? Through the reading of God's Word and through being equipped through the design of the church so that we don't fall to false teaching. We need to grow. By the way, so how long we got to do this? How long do we need to go to church? How long do we need to grow? How long do we need to keep studying? Oh, he lays that, question, that answer out really good in the next verse. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know what that means? Until he comes to get us. He could have said it a little easier, couldn't he? How long we got to do this? Until Jesus comes back. Or until he takes you home. I leave you to this. John MacArthur said uh, he did a four-part message on what it means to be the church and the marks of a real church. By the way, everything he said, again, I'm giving you the 30,000-foot view. Now, we could go into what it means to equip, and we could look at a bunch of different areas that we need to learn and understand in. But the overarching theme is the role of the church is to equip. He said, here's the marks of a real church. It believes in the absolute authority of Scripture. It places a priority on true worship. It provides doctrinal clarity. It preaches spiritual discernment. It pursues holiness. 
It has godly leaders. It is committed to discipleship, both receiving and delivering. And it has mutual loving ministry for one another. That's how we care about each other. I see that going on in our church. I see sometimes it not going on. And that grieves my heart and we need to do better. But for the most part, I see a lot of people who care about one another. These are the marks of a real church. It's not about how many come in the door. But I believe one day I'll stand as a pastor and I'll have to give an account for the maturity and the spiritual strength of all those who sat under my teaching and preaching. I'll give an account for that. So my friends, I'm doubling down on the scripture. I'm doubling down on what God calls the church and the role of the church. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not here to entertain your children. I'm here to teach and preach the word of God in its totality under the full counsel of God. And may we all do that and fulfill our role in it to the best of our ability. Would you stand to your feet?